Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. And amen, amen, amen. Hug somebody and have a seat. Say, thank you, Jesus. I don't got the Rona. I'm about to go into my third year of no Rona, and I'm pretty happy with that. I got to tell you what, pretty, pretty happy about that. Man, I heard y'all had a, uh, the ladies had a good Friendsgiving uh, on Friday. I got to uh, taste some of the fruit of it, uh, meaning I got some, some of the food that y'all brought. I got some uh, mac and cheese and whatnot. I want to thank y'all for, for that. I love it. Uh, my wife has, um, my wife is a mom. Right, so so Pastor Tracy, uh, uh, first and foremost, you know, oh, she's a daughter of God and all that spiritual stuff. But she's a mom, right? And uh, moms, uh, moms like to do stuff. And uh, my wife had a bad habit for 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 many years of bringing home all the extra sweets. And uh, she has been forbidden because I uh, have no self control when it comes to that stuff. And uh, and so I'm like, you just please stop getting all the cookies and all the cakes and all the candies, and all the jellos, and all the puddings. Like, can you just please stop bringing it home so I can stay under 300 pounds? That would be just lovely. You know, we know, you, you know you're in a bad religion when the, when the duty of the man's sanctification is on the woman. Like, we, we talk about that. But in this case, it's really necessary, right? Because we're supposed to bear one another's burdens, and I really need her to help me out with that. If you got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter Nine, uh, I promise you at some point we're going to get out of this chapter, but um, we are working our way through the book of Luke. I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you're getting something out of this. Um, I texted everybody in the church this week. If you did not get a text from me, it's time to fill out a connection card or click on our digital connection card and get your right info. I replied to everybody who texted me. So if you did not get a reply, that means I did not get it. So go ahead and somehow figure out how we fix that. And I asked you, I asked you, like I told you I was going to ask, hey, we're going to spend some time in the secret place in, with our Bible and with Jesus, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna get a word from God. We're going to actually encounter the living God like the Bible says we can. We're just going to, you know, I, I, I like to do this exercise um, where, uh, like, I know it, it's kind of, in some churches today, in some movements today, it's Maybe it's a little controversial. It's a little, I don't know, pushing the edge. Some people debate it. I, uh, I, I just, I believe the Bible, right? So I just believe the Bible. And I believe that we can actually encounter the living God. Can you say amen? I just, I just choose to believe that the promises of heaven are mine. And that I am promised a relationship with the living God by His Holy Spirit who has enlightened Jesus Christ to me, who has introduced me to the Father. I live in the midst of the Trinity and as such, I can have a relationship with God where I am not here on my own. That I get to encounter Him and get wisdom and instruction and revelation. And it's uh, our belief here as a church that it is not only our right, but our responsibility to be hearing from God. Can you say amen? amen. And so I asked you, what's God, what's God saying? What's He been saying? And I got, um, <clears throat> you'd be surprised how many people heard very, very similar 
things in this season. Things about sanctification. Things about sanctifying time for God. Things about living in holiness. About making sure that our life represents the life of Jesus. Like, this is what God is speaking. If you're hearing things along this line, man, you are tracking with the house. You're tracking with what God is saying. Like, like hey, guess what? I'm important in your life. Make time for me. That's holiness. That's holiness. Choosing God in every moment is holiness. It's not just what you wear to church, right? It actually has very little to do with what you wear to church, right? It has a lot to do with how you live outside. And, uh, and, and are you aware of the presence of God in your everyday life, in your everyday actions? Is this how we're living? The good question that you can ask yourself about the quality of your relationship with God is, am I okay with Holy Spirit seeing everything I'm doing? <laughs> am I okay with the fact that everywhere I go, He's there with me? And he's fully cognizant of my thoughts and actions. If you have a loving relationship with God, that is encouraging because you know that he is, in, that he is supporting you, he's strengthening you, and he's pushing you forward on your journey in this earth. If that unsettles you a little bit, that does not say that you should be under condemnation. What that tells you is somehow you have been told a lie to believe that if God is present, things are going to be worse. That God is looking to punish. That God is looking to separate. That God is looking to get even or have vengeance. Nothing can be further from the truth. I'm going to say this again. Nothing can be further from the truth. When I was a young preacher, uh, I thought that um, you have to scare people away from sin. And, and this is how you can tell somebody's theology has matured. What do they believe the role of the Spirit is? What do they believe the role of the Father is? Now, when you're immature, the Father is like, I don't know, your relationship with the Father when you're two years old. Now, when you're two, you're obnoxious, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? If you got a three-nager, right, you understand that the father says no way more than he says yes. That is an immature relationship with Father God, if your relationship is like that of a teenager. Now, by and large, everyone in this room is an adult. And an adult relationship with the father looks like a source of wisdom. Looks like a source of encouragement. Looks like someone who's been down the road ahead of time and has some guidance for you on how to come into what God has for you. This is how you know if your relationship with God is maturing. This is your father who's going to say, yeah, hey, hey I know you're having a, uh, this event coming up, but don't, don't get stupid drunk. Like, that is just not a good way to go. And they're like, oh, you're trying to... No, no, DUIs are expensive and cost you way more than you could ever think, right? You do dumb things when you get drunk, right? No, no, no problem. Like, like I have a good friend who was an alcoholic for many years, and he would say, I never had a problem I couldn't make worse with alcohol. That's wisdom. I'm not telling you don't ever drink wine. I'm telling you, watch it, because that is a road to destruction, right? And this is what a good father says. A good father says, listen, I've been down the road, and I know some pitfalls you don't know about, and I'm trying to keep you safe. This is your Father in heaven. This is who we encounter in the secret place. And so I want to know what God is telling other people in 
the house. That's why I'm constantly asking people, hey, what's God saying to you? What have you been hearing in the secret place? What are you reading? What are you studying? What have you been led to listen to? What is your spirit saying? The Father is saying, I want to know because I want to live life together. I want to hear what God is speaking. This is how you know the enemy has an inroad in your life when the enemy starts telling you or you start thinking you can't share your revelation with other people, that you got to keep it secret, that you can't share your criticisms or your thoughts or your concerns, that you got to get them bottled up and you got to gossip with other people. You know the devil is in the midst of that work. Are, are, are you hearing me? And it's not just because God wants to keep things unified, which he does. He knows that that gossip and that evil is polluting your heart. And when that takes root in your heart, you can't hear God well. I'm preaching to somebody this morning, and I'm just going to keep preaching until you listen and I get some feedback, right? You might be like, why, just move on with the message. This could be the message. God is speaking. And, and, and what we have to do is not only, not only make time to hear him, but, but, but set ourselves up so that we're not rejecting him. Amen. Anybody go to college? There's a, there's a funny thing happens in, in, in college. See, high school, you got to go to, right? Uh, and so, so you kind of have to go to school. Of course, I, I didn't finish high school, so I guess you don't have to. Uh, but, um, you know, you, 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 there's, there's a saying. I went to a community college later, and, uh, and, and there was this thing that we would say that some people are in college and some people are in 13th grade. And you can tell the people who are there just because their parents are making them because they're just, 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 just counting time, just wasting time. Like everybody's in the same school. Some people in that class are going to become engineers. Other people in that class are maybe going to pass 14th grade, right? That, 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 that's all that's going to happen. Same people, same instructor, same curriculum, very different outcomes. Because some people have positioned themselves to learn. And as followers of Jesus Christ, it is of the utmost importance that we position ourselves to learn from the God who chooses to disciple us. This is, this, this, this is our role. This, 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 is our, this is our role. And, and as we read the New Testament, as we read the Gospels, we have to keep in mind Jesus is teaching the disciples how they're going to continue being disciples once he leaves. He's preparing them. He didn't just come as a sage to leave some books, some teachings to follow. He did that, yes. He did leave teachings. He did leave examples. But there was a bigger thing that he was doing, and he was discipling some believers in how to remain disciples once he's no longer physically present. There's patterns that we can pick up. There are um, theologies that Jesus is laying down that we have to be aware of so that we can be disciples on the earth. And so let's dig into the Bible really quick, if we could. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 37. I hope you've uh, found yourself uh, reading your scriptures more, and I really hope that I'm, 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 I'm causing you, I'm provoking you by the Spirit of God to open your Bible expecting God to say something, expecting to encounter the living God, and expecting to encounter words of life. That, that's, that's my hope. It is my hope 
as a minister of the gospel, and those of you who feel called to gospel ministry, it, it, the, the, the goal, the, the, the call in life is not that I would be a preacher, but that I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would somehow get the encounter that I have in the secret space and communicate it to you in such a way that you have that encounter. That, that is the goal of preaching. That is the goal of preaching. And the, I could give you a theology of that, but we have to move on. Luke chapter 9, verse 37. Let's read the Bible together, shall we? I love the Word of God. If you have yours, crack it open. If not, we got it right there. Nine, chapter 9. Now, it's important to set the scene. Now, if you remember, Jesus had just taken three disciples up on the mountain, and they got to see what his secret time with the Father looked like. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not, 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 I'm not, I hope to be one day. I have not had Moses and Elijah show up at the same time. I have not begun to glow white and bright. I have not uh, had my clothing transfigured. I've never had anybody say that they should uh, create a monument to me after being in a prayer meeting with me. None of that has happened yet. Um, but, but they got to see just like a glimpse of what the mountaintop and this could, like, this could have just been an average prayer meeting for Jesus, right? You ever like when you, like, you want to pray with somebody and like, like, like you just, can we just bless the food? And they're going into full-blown intercession. Has that ever, have, have you ever been there? Like, I'm just, I'm just like, can we just eat while the food is still warm, possibly? And they're like praying for people in Asia, you know, like peace all over the world. I got a guy in my uh, life group that like when we're collecting prayer requests and people are like, you know, I got a test, whatever, I need a new tire. And he's like, I just want peace in the world. We're like, okay, I just want the world to be covered in peace. Like, I'm not sure how we pray that in this meeting, but we will uh, be in intercession. I don't know how we judge that, but they're just, their prayer life just as goes on. Like that's, that's the prayer life of Jesus, right? Like, like we're just going to go off and pray. Okay. All night, really, all night. Yeah, Moses and Elijah are going to be there. Like, it's okay. Yeah, I, I thought I prayed, right? Like, you pray with people, and you're like, I thought I prayed until I prayed with them, and now I don't know what I've been doing. Like, I'm just marking time. Like, I might as well be watching TV for what's happening right now. So they have this, 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 this encounter with the Father on the mountain, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to get in the Scripture. Man, I hope you hunger for that. I hope you hunger for that. They come down from the mountain after this amazing encounter. You got to believe the glory, like the glory of God is on them. Like I, I like you're ready. Like you, I wish I would see a sick person now, right? Like I, I wish I would see someone in a wheelchair, right? Luke nine thirty seven. He says, on the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. You get down off the mountain. There's some people gonna notice. Let me just say that. And a man from the crowd shouted, saying, Teacher, I begged you to look at my son, for he is my only boy. And a spirit seizes him, and, suddenly, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into a convulsion with foaming at the mouth. And only with difficulty does it leave him, mauling him as it leaves. I begged your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. Matthew's version of this uh, story says it a little bit differently. In Matthew's version of the story, he says, I came to you that my son would be set free and your disciples couldn't do it. 
And the inference here on the Scripture is when you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, God is expecting, the world is expecting that we would be able to be His representatives on the earth. There is an expectation of creation that we would carry the glory and the weight and the power of our Savior. There is an expectation of this very lost creation. Have you heard on the news or in social media when people criticize Christian pastors or they criticize certain churches? And we say, man, that's just the spirit. That's the devil attacking. But also, that is the spirit of God saying, I'm expecting something better from my believers. I'm expecting something better from the church. I'm expecting a little bit more sanctification. And the very earth itself groans with anticipation for a church that looks different than the world, that has better ethics than the world, who has different goals than the world. Some of that is the devil. The devil is landing on that, but the church has given the devil something to land on. There's a level of hypocrisy that the enemy sees and exploits. There's a level of greed that we have sanctified in the church that the devil points out in the world says, that don't feel like the spirit of Christ because people have experienced the spirit even if they don't know it. Just by breathing the air and seeing the mountains and watching a bird fly, they have experienced the goodness of God. And when they see the hypocrisy, they say, that don't feel like the Jesus Christ that I have seen in creation. Now, many of them, it's just, it's, 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 it's sheer ignorance and they don't know and it's gossip about God's bride. But at the same point, some of it, some of it, we got to be like, yeah, yeah, it's true. We, we give some people a pass just because we know them. This is what we do in the church and this is what we fail at. We let familiarity trump God's word. Oh, it can't be, oh, I, I know that pastor, that I know that, I know that person. Uh, oh, no, no, his ministry has blessed me. Therefore, no way that this is, no, but, but let's, let's dig in the word and let's stick with the word and let's go with the word. Let's, let's, let's see what it says and, 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 and let's, let's try to be transformed by the word. But what I want you to get out of this little soliloquy here is the world is waiting for you to have an encounter to carry. The world is waiting for you to have an encounter to carry. It wants us to be the representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what a disciple is. When you go into any trade, you start out as a laborer, then you move up to an apprentice, and then you, you become a journeyman. And as you come as an apprentice electrician, apprentice plumber, whatever, you should be able to represent what the journeyman is teaching you. You don't come in and like, hey, okay, I hired this uh, electrician to come in and wire up the house. And they're like, oh, yeah, I just do whatever I want. And like, well, are, are you following codes? Is my house going to burn down? Have you been taught? I've been taught, but I don't actually do any of that stuff. I just kind of wing it as I go. Like, well, no, you're not necessarily the laborer that I want. I want someone who's actually learned from the one they say they're following. And so Jesus calls us disciples. Come on, somebody. He calls us disciples. Ah, he calls us disciples. And the world is waiting for us to look like disciples on the earth. We're just going to be a little different. Like, we just got to get it settled in our heart. We're just different. We just look at stuff different. We value things different. 
we say things different. Like we quote scripture in conversations that got nothing to do with the Bible because we're Christians. And, and, and I just know the power of the word. And when I work it in a conversation, it's going to do something more than my argument will. I, I, I just, I just, I, I, I walk out the precepts of Christ because I know there's power in it in my everyday life. And, and so, so, so Jesus is like, what is like, here's what he says to the disciples, Luke 9, 41. He said to the people, you unbelieving and perverted generation. Let's pause here for a second. I want you to notice as you study the scriptures, Jesus often is talking to one person while looking at another. We talked about this before, but time and again, he's addressing people while talking to someone else. He does it for effect. He does it to make a point. I could go through a list of them, but I want you to see it here. There was a person who came to Jesus and said, hey, I need my son free, and your disciples could not do it. He looks at the man and says, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how, sh- how long shall I be put up with you? Talking to his disciples. Bring your son here, right? Bring your son here. While he was still approaching, the demon slammed the boy to the ground and threw him into convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I believe by the time I'm done here, in, uh, in about 15 minutes, <clears throat> um, you know, time in the kingdom is not like time on earth. And some of us are just more kingdom-minded. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years like a day. So in 15 minutes, whatever that is in kingdom time, I'm... I'm, <laughs> I'm just... I'm, I, I, my wife told me before I came up here to preach, she says, be happy. You don't look happy. Be happy. Go up there, and, and if you're not happy, fake it, right? And I am happy right now to be carrying my experience to you, but, I'm, but I'm, I feel sober-minded today. I, 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 feel, um, I, I, I feel the weight of responsibility upon me because I have gotten revelation on how many of us are living under the weight of sin and curses and the enemy's plot and think it's us. Right? There's so many people in bondage in our lives that need to be set free by Jesus Christ. And we somehow think it's something wrong with us. The devil's here weighting down your family, destroying your finances, breaking up your relationships, and you're going to bed at night thinking, what is wrong with me? I'm here to let you know you got a perfect Savior who covers you in His blood, who you were created in the image of your Father. And there is a fallen Satan who has attacked your life and is trying to destroy everything you hold dear. And I just feel today he's going to lose a little bit of power over the people in this room. Can you say, Amen. I just feel like the devil needs to be rebuked a little bit more today. What I love about Jesus is that he sets people free. He don't say like, "Mm, I got to do this in a way that really doesn't hurt their feelings. He's like, you'll get happy when you get free. 
you get happy when I cast the devil up at you. When you begin to listen to the truth and I set you free from the lie, then you'll find the joy. I'm not trying to get oppressed people happy. I'm trying to get oppressed people free so they can learn what happiness is. Can you say amen? That's the goal. That's the goal of the gospel, to get some people free of the lie of the devil. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. I'm feeling good, Duke. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, Duke. I'm feeling good right now. I feel like the enemy is getting scared up in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to challenge some of you right now. Just stretch your faith a little bit. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today is the day. Maybe tonight you go to bed and your heart won't be racing. Maybe you'll actually have sweet sleep tonight. Maybe that, 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 that conflict isn't going to plague your brain tomorrow. Maybe you're going to get some favor in your finances. Today could be the day. Amen. 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 Today could be the day. That's, that's, that's like the cornerstone of us Pentecostals right there. Today could be the day. Today could be the day. And I believe it. Can you say amen? amen. Come on. The world was lost in sin one day. Jesus went to the cross and the next day everything was different. Can you say amen? Oh, Jesus, I'm getting ahead of myself here. So we find here in Luke 9, 46, right after this demon gets cast out of this boy and Jesus rebukes them, like the disciples are now like, well, well, clearly one of us are the best, right? And Luke writes it this way, an argument started among them as to which of them might be the greatest. Now, wrong argument to be happening. Can we say amen? Like there's just, there's just wrong argument to be happening. Like, just, just, just wrong. And, and the reason it's wrong is they don't get it. You see, Jesus never rebuked them for wanting to be great. Jesus never rebuked his disciples for wanting power. He didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He didn't rebuke them for wanting to have authority. He rebuked them because of the state of their heart that made them think if they were great, that would make them something. As if having more authority is going to make you something. Getting more of God is going to make you something. No, 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 no. See, you, you, you're, you were created in his image. You're never going to get greater than that. You're never going to get greater than that. The goal is to strip away the lie that you need to become something greater. Oh, I'm not going to go down that. I'm, 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 I'm feeling feisty today, and I want to leave you encouraged. <clears throat> what the church in America needs today is a revelation in the scripture that you were actually created for God and that God has a claim on our lives. God has a claim on our lives. Now, if you work in a job where you buy your own tools, maybe, maybe you're a hairstylist or maybe you're a, a, a programmer and you have your own laptop or maybe, maybe, maybe you, you work in finance and you have your own spreadsheets, like that's yours. And that's something that you created for your benefit, like you have a claim on those things. And I just, I feel by the power of the Spirit right now, this has nothing to do with anything. Whoa, I feel like some of you have some residual income that you have a claim to that has been withheld. And I just declare in the name of Jesus that the Lord restores these things. We used to pray every single week during our offering, estates and inheritances. We used to, we used to pray that every, every, every single week. And I watched it happen in my life. I had a claim on an inheritance. It didn't happen. The Lord had, he brought it to me through an entirely different person. 
And I just feel by the power of the Spirit, the devil is stopping. He is stopping some income. And I just, I, you need to claim it in the name of Jesus. Lord, see, our God is a God of justice. Over here. Our God is a God of justice. Your God wants to right the wrongs. And if you have been mistreated in your finance, the Lord wants to turn that around. Now, if you ain't working, you know, you, you got what you worked for, right? Uh, but, but if you actually have something due, <laughs> if you have something due, the Lord wants to do justice. Uh, that's just take that and just, I would put that in my journal. I would just prophesy it over myself all week. Honey, write it down. We're going to prophesy that over ourselves all week. That was by the Lord. I just feel that in the name of Jesus. But Jesus, he's trying to disciple these people. He's preparing them for power. Like these are these nobodies, like these, 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 these nothings who had, those who had authority did not wield it righteously. But the majority of them did not have authority. And Jesus, in his discipleship journey with them, knew what the death, the resurrection, and the infilling of the Spirit was going to do in their lives. And Jesus had a short amount of time to get their character ready to wield that type of power. This is what his goal. And, and, and in your life, Jesus is preparing us for power. you got to understand, as we pray over and over again, that God will get us up out of the pit. Jesus is preparing us. Go ahead and put it up there. Jesus is preparing us for power. This is your destiny. Get it in your brain. Get it in your spirit. You are not going to be at the bottom forever. Jesus is preparing you for power. He's preparing you to have authority over the things that have authority over you right now. He has given you authority over things that you don't even know about right now. He's giving you authority over things that haven't even been invented yet right now. He is preparing you to rule and reign in righteousness. Can you say amen? And so you have to understand, amen. So you got to, some of you are going through a hard season. Some of you are going through a hard season saying, why, Lord? Why, Lord? And then... And then, and then you say, if I'm ever in power, I'm not going to behave like they're behaving. That's the beginning of your discipleship. Amen. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Oh, I'm, I'm getting treated so wrongly. I'm getting treated so poorly. If I was ever in power. Now watch this. Watch this. Moses. Moses was raised in the Pharaoh's house, right? He learned the ways of ruling with power without justice. He saw the argument happening and he saw the Jew being treated poorly. What did he do? Murdered him, just like the Pharaoh would have done. Lord sent him on the backside of the mountain for 40 years. Comes into power, right? Sees the glory of God. God says, hey, I'm going to wipe out all these people. Moses said, no, God, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because he knew what it was like to be in that position. He was being prepared for power in the midst of that struggle. You understand what I'm saying right now? The Lord is doing something on the inside of you in this season of struggle to prepare you for power. He's creating a vessel that can contain it with holiness and righteousness and justice that you could be the strong arm of the Lord on the earth for those who do not know him. All right, that's, 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 that's a little, I just, we, come on, we need to get this in our spirit, preparing you for something. 
Don't go to night. Don't go to bed at night sucking on worms, talking about, oh, wish it was better. Wish it was better. No, no, no. I'm a disciple of Jesus. You say, man, I want to be, I want to be an electrician. And you show up the first day, you're going to be sweeping floors all day long. I want to be a nurse. Great. Well, you're going to go, you're going to learn bones and stuff. Well, I don't want to learn bones. I'm not going to work on bones. I just want to, I just want to serve. I just want to be a nurse. Well, you will learn at the bottom. This is part of the discipleship process. And some of us, dare I say, and I'm going to move on. Guard your heart. Are you ready? Guard your heart. Things have been so hard for so long because you won't learn that this is part of the discipleship process. Quit trying to avoid it. Learn what you need to learn in this season so you can get to the next step. Amen. Come on, I believe that's for someone right there. You can come up out of this thing. And so we see here in verse 49, John answered. Now, they're going along. They want to be great. They're trying to figure this thing out. So John says to uh, Jesus, hey, master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to prevent him because he does not follow along with us. Jesus said to him, do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. Now here, again preparing us to walk in power. What power do we want to wield? Do we want the power to divide or do we want the power to heal? Do we want the power to tear down other churches and leaders or do we want the power to build the kingdom? Do we want the power of suspicion and gossip and slander where we don't let anybody else be powerful because we think it makes us look bad? Or do we want the power to build, to heal, to love, to restore, to strengthen, to repair the breach? Watch out. Watch people's motives. Watch their actions. As this church, as the church of Jesus Christ, as Revival Life Church, we're like, hey, Lots of great churches in Boca. Lots of Christians in Boca. When we started our church in Boca Raton, we were in Delray for a long time. The Lord moved us to Boca. We didn't say, hey, it's because there's no gospel witness in Boca. Or we're just like, I don't know why we're here, but we're going to love on the people God brings us because there's plenty of good churches right here. And as a matter of fact, some of the best churches in Boca Raton in 50 years won't be here anymore. The pastors pastoring them will be dead. This church at some point will close. At some point, I won't be leading it. This is how it works. This is the way of the kingdom. We need to constantly be building. We need to constantly be encouraging. We need to constantly be reaching. We need to constantly be ministering. I have my family tree I like to look at. I like to look at it and I got my family tree and one part goes back to the early 1700s, maybe late 1600s. I don't even know if that part is accurate, but I think, man, all the issues of my life, all the problems that I have encountered, number one, are nothing compared to what they dealt with. Can you say amen? No electricity, no medicine, no education, just and I'm thinking every single one of those generations made it to get me here. Like how many generations had to deal with how many problems for me to be here today with my beautiful wife and my children and all of you beautiful people preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, like every single one of them. And so we can think that like the church is us when there are people for 2,000 years who've been getting murdered for gospel witness, who've been getting martyred, who are getting persecuted, who had all kind of heresies coming against them. Every attack of the devil for the last 2,000 
thousand years to try to stop it. Yet here we are today with the word of God still intact, with the spirit of God still on the church, with our testimony still intact. And then some devil wants to come along and say that, you know, church so-and-so down first, United Methodist is our competition or, or, or whatever new church that pops up down the street is somehow a threat. No, 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 no. That is the next generation of church that's going to carry the gospel to our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. We need to be investing in every gospel witness that we can find. We are on the same team and the devil wants to work in people and say, you got to get away from them. Oh no, they're scary. Oh no, they're bad. Oh no, they hurt my feelings. You got to run away from them. No, 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 no. That is the work of the devil. And we got to call it out as such. The church is covered in the attack of the devil trying to split people. And Jesus is like, what is wrong with you people? Watch this. Watch this. He says, do not hinder them for he who's not against you is for you. And I got to tell you, if your goal is for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth, every church is on your side. Even the weird ones. Not the cults, but the weird ones. The weird ones are on our side. It's not about church against church. It's about growing in life. It's about, it's, about, it's about people encountering the compassion of Jesus Christ. It's about this life-changing compassion that we carry. And they're like, hey, this, this guy casting out demons, he, he doesn't follow like, like we do. He's not a disciple like we are. One trip to the mountain all of a sudden. One trip to the seeker place and they're ready. They're ready to destroy people. I'm like, whoa, Jesus, like, maybe I should have took you up there earlier to see, like, you ain't that special. You're not that special. And we're going to see more about that in, in the coming weeks. Our battle is not with people. That, that Christians, maybe your mother-in-law is driving you crazy. Uh, praise God, I'm at a place that's not my issue. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I told a fair amount of mother-in-law jokes early in my ministry. Then she started coming to my church. some reason, I didn't call out those as often. Our, our war is not with people. That was the Lord, like, watch your mouth, right? <laughs> Have you gotten one of those from God? Watch your mouth. You're like, ah. Where are we at here? Oh, I still got time. <laughs> I got in a... I talked to, um, I, I, I've never been to Joel Osteen's church. I've never met the man. I don't know him from Adam. I don't know him at all. However, I, I have this anointing that I know people who know people. I don't know people, but I know a lot of people who know people. They don't introduce me for some reason, uh, but I know people who know people. And I, through independently, through several different channels, know people who know Joe Olstein well, and I know those people well, and they know Joe Olstein well, and they all love him. They all think he's amazing. Everybody, every gospel preacher I know who actually knows Joe Osteen talk about how he has this amazing heart of evangelism, how he's all about souls. And, uh, and, and let me just say this. I'm no apologist. I don't know the man. He could have nine wives for all I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he does, right? But I'm just saying, I'm not saying he's a perfect person, right? 
And they're like, and, and so I got an argument with somebody one time. They're like, well, he has that massive house. I said, um, he sells books. You make money that way. I'm like, do you not believe in capitalism? I'm like, what, where, where are we in this thing? I'm like, well, the church should be, should be taxed. I'm like, he doesn't get paid by the church. He's a volunteer at the church. I'm like, well, wait, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, he don't make a dime off the church. He sells books. That's how he makes money. And they're like, well, he, uh, he, like, he literally goes on arena tours. Those pay well. And in his arena tours, he's preaching the gospel. And so I remember one time, my wife, um, uh, she has a long time. My wife comes from a Jewish, I don't want to say a Jewish background. She's Jewish, right? Uh, half her family's uh, Jewish. And uh, she has Jewish friends that she grew up with. And her friend was going through a hard time. She goes like, I don't know why. I just listen to Joel Osteen on my drive home every day. And I'm like, he's on our team. He's on our team. And there's some of these people at the outlier of the church. And you can test people's hearts by how... Christians talk about them. Hear what I'm telling you. If they confess Jesus Christ as Lord, keep their name out your mouth. If you feel the need, the righteous anointing to violate the teachings of Jesus and gossip, we might be hearing the wrong spirit. If you are someone who listens to gossip about ministers, you might have a wrong spirit speaking in your ear. And so now I don't defend these people. I don't argue with people any longer. I just said, like, you know, I just asked this question. Have you met him? Have you met him? Did you talk to him about this? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't gossip about Christians. That's what I tell him. That's what I tell him. Hey, 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 ball. Did you? But I'm not like Benny Hinn, not like Joel Osteen, not like Stephen Furtick. I'm like, oh, yeah, have you met? Have you met? Have you met Stephen Furtick? Have you, have you had lunch with Stephen Furtick? Tell me you have. Come on. Introduce me. I mean, he seems like a nice guy. I, I don't know. You haven't met him. Oh, I don't gossip about Christians. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't gossip because Jesus told me not to. What, what, what does that mean? I am not giving place to the devil in my life because of your unhealed hurt. Listen, Christians, we got to get this in our brain. If they're preaching the gospel, we're on the same team. You want to do it different? Do it different. Build a bigger church than Stephen Furtick. Build a bigger church than Joel Osteen if you want to show them how it's done. Go for it. I'm just going to stand right here and preach the gospel. <clears throat> our battle's not with people. Ephesians 6, our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. This is, this is our battle. And us, Spirit-filled Christian people, I think we forget this. We forget that there is an actual devil, and there's actual demons, and there's actual darkness that wants to destroy your life. And part of the Christian life is a fight. It is not all kumbaya and lay on the ground and soak. Sometimes it's get up and declare the word of the Lord over your situation. Sometimes it's get up and you tell people, hey, don't gossip to me no more. I don't want to hear it. You're polluting my spirit. I understand you're offended, but I don't want your offense. You can live with it all you want. I want to live in peace. You might want to walk out some forgiveness. You might want to repent a little bit, but I do not want your oppression in my life. Anybody hear what I'm talking about right now? Anybody hear what I'm talking about right now? We're going to have to do a little war with the devil. <clears throat> Did you hear about the, uh, the uh, non-binary gold digger? 
They said there's gold in them there hills. There's gold in them there hills. Listen, it'll catch up to you later. Hear me. We can laugh about stuff and not let it separate the entire church. We can, we, can, we, can, we can choose not to get offended by people who have different pronouns. You know what my pronouns are? Whatever you want to call me. I could care less. Call me pastor. Call me Carl. Call me him. Call me they. I'm going to call you homegirl until I figure your name out. Like it just... <laughs> a couple years took five years. It was two years for you. Somebody tell Hannah, two years is good. <laughs> tell her she's special. Two years is good. Someone said, I've been here five years. I'm like, bad with names. Watch this. <clears throat> Pastor, are you saying that, no, what I'm saying is you can be nice to people. Amen. Amen. You can, we can be nice. We're Christians. I don't see a single time that Jesus gave a doctrinal quiz to anybody before he healed them. I don't see any time where he made people qualified. You're like, well, what about the woman with the dog? He healed her, and he was rebuking his disciples for her not wanting healed. Read the scripture. He was, he was provoking his disciples. Hey, can't heal dogs, right? And they're like, uh, of course I'm going to heal the child. I'm Jesus. This is who I am. Figure it out, people. Your righteous gossip is sin. Empowers the devil. Get healed. Right? So if someone came to me and said, hey, um, my pronouns are tree and flower. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to remember any of that anyway, so I'm just going to call you homeboy. I mean, like, I, you know, it just, like, I'm not going to be offended in the least bit. I'll call you whatever you want. I don't care. I could care less. What does that affect me? Well, you can't. God knows. Be nice to people. Does this make sense? Be nice. Our, 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 our battle is not with people. It's with devils. And I have found it's easier to cast the devil out of people who like you. Let me say that one more time. It's easier to cast the devil out of people who like you. And so you be friends with people. And then one day they say, I got this thing. You're like, <laughs> been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Say the name Jesus three times. Watch what's about to happen. Oh, by the way, open that door. <laughs> I'm about to cast the devil that's going to leave it. Do, do you hear what I'm telling you? Jesus is far more interested, far more interested in the kingdom of God being established in people's lives than us winning battles with them. Watch this. He says in verse 16, in addition to all, he talks about the armor of God. Verse 16, take up the shield of faith which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I need you to hear this. I want, I want, I want this to get in some people's spirit right now. The faith of Jesus Christ that has been imparted to you 
not only protects you from the attacks of the devil, it actually disarms his weapons. He has a flaming arrow coming at you. By faith, it's no longer flaming. Listen, this is the one who's over the flames of hell. You have power over his fire. By faith, you have power over his fire. And he's shooting fiery darts at you every day. Every time you go to take a step out in faith and you say, today's the day I'm not going to scream at my kids. And you come downstairs and they've been drawing on the wall. You have power over the fiery darts of the devil going at your heart to lose your mind on this nonsense. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like you find out like I have made a covenant in my heart. I'm not going to gossip about nobody. And you show up to church and you're going to make the coffee at church and someone comes up to you. Did you hear what sister so-and-so said about you? You have an option to say, no, 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 no. Fiery darts are going to be extinguished right now. Don't tell me what people, and don't tell, don't, don't tell, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't tell me. Listen, you are not ministering to anybody by telling them what people have been saying about them. That is not a ministry. That is gossip. I got to tell people in my life, please stop telling me what people gossip about me about. What Tell me about why they feel comfortable gossiping you about me. That's what I really want to know. That, that's what I really want to hear about. That's what I really want to know. Hallelujah. That's just a little added one in there. That's what you need to tell people. Look them in the eye. You've been gossiping about me. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, but, but how do you know this? Help me out. Are we friends? Because I thought we were friends. But you got the gossip on, on me. My wife had a meeting with somebody recently. My wife had a meeting with someone recently. And she had said to them, she had tell them, the people who've been gossiping to you, been gossiping about you. Like this, because gossip's gossip. Like, wait, 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 wait. No, I'm, I'm, I'm the special one. They're gossiping about you. Like, because they're gossips. That's what gossips do. They don't put out the fiery darts. They light them on fire. They want them to burn brighter. They want them to burn stronger. They want them to have more destruction. That's why they spread them around. So a lot of people's little gossiping demons can add to the flaming fire and cause more destruction. That is the plan of the devil. And what we say to them is, no, 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 I'm sorry. I got to stand on righteousness right now. I'm going to tell you, you got a problem in your heart. Get it fixed out. Go talk to people. Repent to Jesus for, for, for gossiping. Let's put out the fiery darts of the devil and stop letting the enemy tear down the church. Tear down families, tear down lives. We're coming against the devil today, amen? Let me get my worship team to come on up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They said, what song are we going to sing at the end here? I said, that is the great mystery of Christ that is yet to be revealed. But we got it now. We're coming in for a landing. You ready? Here's where we're going with all this. It's in the secret place that you learn how to partner with Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't take them up on the mountaintop so they can get coronated. They thought that they had somehow become kings when they got up there. They came down from the mountain like, which one of us is going to be the greatest now? Like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what that was about. That, 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 was, that was where you learned to partner with Holy Spirit. It's in your quiet time, reading the Bible, having God reveal His Word to you, speaking to you through the Word of God, you working what God spoke to you in the secret place into your daily life. 
Man, you want to change your life here? We got about, what, six weeks left before the end of the year. Don't wait till 2022. Get in the Bible. Read it. Have a journal next to you. When something jumps out, write it down. And decide that day you're going to work it into your life. How am I going to work it into my life? Figure it out. Say it to someone. Figure out what it means. Do it. Put it into action. Get it out of your journal and into your life. Because you have just had an opportunity to partner with Holy Spirit. You see, on that mountaintop, I need you to hear this. The Father, the glory of God is waiting for you. And as you encounter that glory, you got to bring it down off the mountaintop to the people. They came down off the mountaintop, and there the demonized man had his, or man with the demonized boy was waiting for them. We don't know how many people need a touch from God that we walk right by because we didn't come down off the mountaintop. We didn't see it. But this is, this is our call. Revival life, hear me. This is our call to encounter that fire and bring it to people. Say, Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm barely able to do me right now. I'm, 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 I'm barely keeping it together right now. How do you think you get more? You give away what you have. How am I going to get peace? <clears throat> There's nobody who knows peace scriptures like an anxious person. They could quote you all of them. Maybe those aren't for you. Maybe they'll start working when you minister them to somebody else. Maybe they'll start working when you minister them to somebody else. Play a little bit there, dude. Oh, yeah, you're working on it. I got you. <laughs> My wife and I's marriage took a decided turn when we started doing premarital counseling with people. Remember the first time we had to do premarital counseling, we're like, Carla, our marriage is a wreck. Like, we don't even, well, we, we, we were in love. We just didn't get along real good. <laughs> she just didn't see how right I was all the time. And I thought I was right all the time. No, but really, we had a lot of issues. <clears throat> Loved each other, a lot of issues. And we had to start doing premarital counseling. We're like, well, this, this stuff is good. We should, we should probably use some of this. <laughs> We should probably incorporate some of this. So in the middle of an argument, we're like, that ain't what you taught to this couple. What's up with that? How about exercise seven? Anyways. <clears throat> when you start giving away what you got, that's when you start getting what you really need. They came down off that mountain, and Jesus is like, you got to see. This is what this is for, is to give it away. Like, I don't know if i got enough to give away. Poverty mentality. You give away that little bit you got, and God will fill your barrel. It's not enough to want to see the end of the kingdoms of this world. we got a lot of problems in our, in our government right now. A lot of problems in our social fabric. We got a lot of problems, politics. We got a lot of problems in our economy, I believe. There's a lot of injustice happening. 
It's not enough just to want to see that end. We have to want to see the kingdom of God on earth. We can't just want to tear down what's here. Then we're just left with anarchy and chaos. That's exactly what the devil wants. We have something better. The kingdom of God. And as we establish the kingdom of God, we're going to get the best of both broken parties. We'll get the best of both broken systems. We'll get the both best of both broken economic models. We, we'll get the best because God is the best. We've got to want to advocate for the kingdom of God to be established here on the earth. This is what we see. I'm almost done. This is what we see. Jesus, this Luke chapter 9, we took a long time in it because it's the, it's the, it's the pivot in the gospel of Luke. God was, excuse me, Jesus was <clears throat> in Samaria. He was, <clears throat> excuse me, ministering in Galilee. And now it's time for him to make the slow march towards Jerusalem and his murder. And so Luke chapter 9, he starts that journey. He starts to leave Galilee and starts the journey toward his death. And as they're traveling, there's this Samaritan town. <clears throat> and the Samaritan town doesn't want to receive him. And the disciples say in Luke 9.54, they're like, Hey, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Jesus is like one trip to the mountaintop and you think you can call down fire on cities? Are you all stupid? Like, what? how did you think you could do that? You done seen Elijah. You didn't become Elijah. Like, but he says to them, you don't know what spirit <clears throat> you are of. You do not know what spirit you are of. Jesus is not trying to destroy the American government. He's not trying to destroy the Chinese government. He's not trying to destroy Mexico. He's trying to get rid of the, the narco cartels. He's trying to get rid of the greed in our government. He's trying to end the oppression in China. He's not trying to destroy any of these nations. We can't just want to destroy. We've got to see the kingdom of God come to earth. How do we do that? Stand with me if you would. <clears throat> he said, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to, let's say it together, save them. One more time. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus came to save people. <clears throat> save from oppression. Save them from poverty. Save them from eternity separated from the Father. What's the call on your life? That. That's the call on your life. To bring the kingdom of God to people who are walking in darkness. This is the gospel. This is why we have encounters with God. This is why we read the Bible. To learn the gospel, to share the gospel, to get our experience with God on other people. This is why you have a responsibility to get in the secret place. This is why you have a responsibility to get in intercession. This is why you have a responsibility to get in worship. Because we need this experience with God on our lives. Paul said it to the Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it 
the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and also the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. That's the gospel. You remember earlier, it is faith that puts out the fiery darts of the enemy in your life. It is faith that calls dead things alive. It is faith that looks at your lost, crazy family members and says, they are one encounter away from the kingdom of heaven. And I carry that encounter. I am called to walk in that encounter so we can get on them and change their lives. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, somebody. Out of the mouth of babes. Amen? Your children know this. They're waiting for righteousness. They'll call you out on hypocrisy. They know this. Shake up, pray in the spirit. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We're not just called to have church. We're not just called to put up a big sign and see how many people we can get in a room. We're called to carry the kingdom of God to a lost and dying world. Every week, Mike Rentler calls me up, fed 105 people. I'm like, that's great. He's like, ha, that's just bait. Got seven people saved this week. I'm like, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's someone who knows the kingdom. Look, I'll feed them. That's to get them close enough for me to get them saved. That's what's up right there. Are you feeding anybody? Or are you trying to burn down their city? Are you serving somebody? Or are you trying to let people know that you're the greatest? Come on, where are you at in this gospel? Where are you at in this gospel? I, I just know for us, for us, we got to be different. Now, you are called to greatness. I feel it. You feel it in your heart. You are not called to live under this oppression. You're not called to live under this depression. You're not called to live under this anxiety. You're not called to live under frustration. You're not called to live in lack. You're not called to live alone. I don't care what the devil has told you. That is not what the call of God is on your life. It's not why you were created. It's not why he put you on this earth. Put you on this earth so he could put his very glory on you. That you could be the temple of God for someone who does not know him. You could be the high holy mountain that visits a person who is oppressed, who is at the bottom, who is being tormented. You are called to be the place of encounter for those who do not know where to find God. Come on. Jesus didn't need disciples. But he showed them how to find the way to God. Let me show you how to get to the top of the mountain. Because I don't bend there. That's your role. You're not called to fix all their problems. <clears throat> Let me tell you a quick story. And then we're going to pray. <clears throat> Got a call from Courtney last night. I have probably a text. She was stuck at nine centimeters. Stuck. Anybody had a baby? Stuck at nine centimeters? 
I don't want to tell her whole testimony. I'll, I'll let her give it. It's just glorious. But she was stuck. But, say but. But there was a Holy Ghost filled nurse up on her floor at that time. This is her testimony. She said Mary Jane happened to be on. Walked in the room. She was stuck at nine centimeters. Mary Jane knows where the mountain of God is. Walked into the room. Declared the word of the Lord. Two pushes later, the baby was out. This is real. Come on, somebody. This is real. This is real. And I just feel like some of us this week are going to encounter somebody who is two pushes away from their breakthrough and they don't even know it. The promise of God is stuck on the inside of them. But you're going to bring the mountain of God to them. The encounter of God. Two pushes later, their life changes. Come on, somebody. But you got to make a covenant with God. I am going to spend time in the secret place. I'm going to spend time in the secret place and I'm going to bring them to the mountaintop. I'm going to bring them to where I know there is an encounter waiting for them. Come on, play for me now. Come on, let's just pick it up, Lizzie. Yeah, let's, come on, come on, come on. Listen, this is the call on your life. This is the call on your life. This is what God has destined you for, to walk in the room and the atmosphere changes. Come on, bring it up. Come on, come on, come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ is Lord over all of this. He is Lord over all of this. Come on. We sing hallelujah. Lift your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We Right there it is. It, with the finger of God, mm, I cast out the demon right now in the name of Jesus that has been plaguing your mind. Yeah, in the name. That is setting you at ease. Woo, that friction Jesus. inside of you. Come on, plead the blood. not let you sleep. Plead the blood. In the out name there. of Jesus, I declare freedom over you in, in the Jesus' name. name. Whoa, in the name of Jesus. Come on. Liberty come on. over you in, the in name. Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus. I bind up Set those lives. Set you free. In the name of Jesus. Be free. Kingdom of God is nigh unto thee now. 
sing. Jesus Christ, on, our it. King enthroned. All the praise is yours forevermore. Hallelujah. you have moved in this service father i thank you god that you have set captives free and i declare blessing upon the people as they go that they would carry this anointing with them to the world to their families at thanksgiving father i declare that we are your representation god wherever we go in jesus name would you agree with me and say amen amen, amen. hallelujah let's give one more shout to god Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving. If you're a guest, we would love to meet you. My husband and I will be in the, in the lobby. If you need prayer, you can come up to the front. Uh, there'll be people here to pray for you. Have a wonderful week and carry that anointing hey. with you out to the world. Hey. Amen.